Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, and over the years, I've often used Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger's phrase, the catastrophic collapse of catechesis. Um, That's what we've seen uh, over the last generation. It was especially, uh, really reached its low points in the 70s and the 80s. And in truth, um, who's to blame? You have to blame the bishops because that's their responsibility. Um, They have the authority and the responsibility uh, to ensure the soundness of Catholic teaching. And uh, if they don't, uh, the church is much the worse for it. They also have the authority and responsibility for correcting the problem. And to their credit, the U.S. bishops have been correcting the problem. In 1997, Archbishop Daniel Beekline of Indianapolis was commissioned by the U.S. bishops to do a report on the state of catechetical textbooks in the United States. It was pretty miserable. Uh, He found 80% of catechetical textbooks were doctrinally deficient. And what kind of doctrines? Well, hold on to your seat here. Uh, They got the Trinity wrong. They got the deity of Christ and the centrality of Christ in salvation history wrong. Another uh, problem was that they did not understand the nature of magisterial teaching. Uh, They did not uh, have a good, distinctly Catholic anthropology, that is, the doctrine of the human person. They uh, had an overemphasis on human action and inadequate emphasis on God's initiative in the world. There was an insufficient recognition of the transforming effects of grace. There was a pattern of inadequate presentation of the sacraments. There was deficiency in the teaching of original sin and on sin in general. There was meager exposition of the Catholic moral life. And finally, an inadequate presentation of heaven, hell, purgatory, and judgment. (laughs) What can you say? Deficient in the Trinity, the divinity of Christ, magisterial and papal authority, the nature of the human person, deficient in the transforming power of grace and the sacraments, playing down original sin and sin in general, a meager exposition of the Catholic moral life, and an avoidance of heaven, hell, purgatory, and judgment. Virtually every area of fundamental or systematic theology is represented as deficient in the textbook used by parish churches. That was 1997, and it's pretty bad. And that squares with my experience at the time. I remember because I had just begun working in the Catholic world back in 1997. And it's worth pointing out, and I've probably said this, made the story before uh, to you, that when I was introduced at that time, 97, 98, to someone who was a director of religious education, a DRE, I was apprehensive, and I expected an awkward encounter. One person who, hap- who was training to be a uh, DRE uh, wanted to know why we had to keep reading the Old Testament as the first reading at Mass, when in the 1960s she was able to use Martin Luther King Jr. and Thomas Merton. True story. Another told me that Catholics should worship Mother Nature. Uh, a priest warned about focusing too much on Jesus' divinity since Jesus himself didn't even know he was the Son of God until late in his public ministry. These are all real incidents, and they could be multiplied. Exactly when doctrinal clarity began returning, I can't say, but I know things have changed. When I meet DREs today, I no longer expect people who water down the faith. 
I expect people who understand their role in carrying out the missionary mandate of the church. They believe in truth, they believe Christ is the truth, and they believe that the church extends Christ's teaching authority into the world, meaning that they have truth to share with people. Some of that change is definitely connected to the great work of the late Barbara Morgan, who for years taught catechetics at the Franciscan University. Barbara's from Ann Arbor, and she was a giant in this field. And today, her colleagues like Dr. Petrak Willie and Sister Johanna Paruk keep churning out great DREs. And of course, we have the independent work of laity, like Jeff Cavins with his Great Adventure Bible series, and Dr. Scott Hahn with the St. Paul Center. And there are countless others that have sprung up with their uh, apostolates focusing on the theology of the body, or as in the case of uh, Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchick, the domestic church. And I, if I could just I could keep going, and I know I'll end up missing people, but we've seen an explosion of good catechesis that launched out of the rubble uh, of the 1970s and 80s. And, of course, I'd like to think Catholic Radio had some role in this, we began in 1996, and Mother Angelica provided Catholic teaching for anybody who would get a radio signal. And I'd like to think that uh, over these years we've had some role to play in uh, working on remedial catechesis, fixing the problem. My wife's a catechist, and I do have a personal stake in the reputation of Catholic catechists uh, getting the credit they deserve. But in all truth, things today are almost night and day from 1997. And they continue to improve. This morning, we saw another major sign of sea change. Over 70 bishops from the United States, Africa, and other regions released a fraternal letter of correction to the bishops of Germany. As you know, if you've been listening for the last few months, the German bishops seem hell-bent on teaching that same-sex acts are okay. They are opposed to the church's teaching on the immorality of same-sex acts and other things, but that's the prominent one. The 70-plus bishops, and the number will grow through the remainder of this week at least, they're offering fraternal correction to the German bishops. These bishops knew they had a duty to disable this threat to Catholic teaching posed by the German bishops. The Polish bishops have already done it. The Nordic bishops have done it. And uh, we had, last May, in fact, Archbishop Samuel Aquila of Denver leading in this matter with an open letter to the German bishops. This time, there's the inclusion of many African bishops who receive some of their funding from Germany. So this should be a sign to the bishops of Western Europe. At a symposium of Episcopal conferences in Africa and Madagascar, the African bishops wrote that there is always concern about the negative impact the church on, of the West is having on the church in Africa. Well, why are these bishops offering fraternal correction to the German bishops? Why did Bishop Paprocki correct the phraseology of Cardinal Blaise Supich on the doctrine of conscience? Why are these bishops straying outside their comfort zones to challenge their brother bishops? Because these bishops believe that they teach with divine authority. And this authority is not rooted in themselves. It's rooted in their ordination to teach the sacred word, the scriptures, and to represent the ongoing apostolic tradition. And they are teaching in union with the Holy Father, who for 2,000 years has taught consistently on the sinfulness of same-sex acts. 
More and more, I'm seeing Catholic bishops unwilling to just stand by while lay people and even their ordained colleagues fog up the clear teaching of the Church. Bishop Robert McManus of Worcester, Massachusetts, just told a local Catholic school to no longer fly gay pride or Black Lives Matter flags. And he used the school's clumsy attempt to show solidarity with those who have been discriminated against. He used that as a teaching moment, though. It's not enough for the bishop to simply command compliance. He should use the moment to teach so that we all grow and we all attain to the unity of the faith. Um, Bishop must teach, uh, and that's going to mean correcting error, which is hard to do right now. We live in a culture where people think most truths are simply somebody's personal opinion. But Bishop McManus told them to remove the Black Lives Matter flag because it distorts the church's teaching that all lives matter. And of course, why do all lives matter? Genesis 1, 27, 28, because all are created in God's image and likeness. And to limit our acceptance to black lives risks engaging in the very racialist language we deplore. He also told them to remove the gay pride flag. Why? Because it stands in contract to consistent Catholic teaching that sacramental marriage is between a man and a woman. Bishop McManus made it clear that we Catholics cannot be committing our institutions to ideologies which are contrary to our own teaching. Now, I know that there are Catholic bloggers and podcasters and webmasters and lecturers and publishers who make their reputation uh, and their premium uh, offers by exposing the failures of others. Heaven knows they're never going to run out of material. Uh, One even has an editorial policy to never write anything positive about the bishops. Of course, it's necessary to highlight the serious problems we're seeing in Germany, where they do seem, the bishops seem hell-bent, on defying the church's teaching and heading towards schism. But we need not stoke the unending fires of moral outrage, which only end up consuming our own souls and makes it more difficult for us to learn how to love and pray for our enemies. Nor should we give the impression that we can create a people's movement that can force concessions of the bishops, as though the church is somehow uh, structured like a representative democracy or a union in negotiation with management. EWTN and Ave Maria Radio will always report and, when necessary, analyze crimes and errors and sins of others when that makes for strengthening the body of Christ. But we're principally called to major on the truths of the faith and let the failures of others be a a subminor theme. Teaching the truth, we believe, will always bear more fruit than exposing error. I know we are sometimes embarrassed by the acts of, well, sometimes ourselves, but certainly some of our bishops and priests and fellow laity. And we are embarrassed by the gross inconsistencies of prominent Catholic laity, like our president and the Speaker of House, Speaker of the House, who, while they're receiving the uh, body and blood of Christ, are themselves desecrating the body and blood of the unborn. But to console myself uh, on this matter, and it is frustrating, I recall the words of the great Catholic polemicist, apologist, and writer, Hilaire Belloc, who with G.K. Chesterton was a major defender of the faith in the first half of the 20th century. He wrote, quote, The Catholic Church is an institution that I, as a Catholic, am bound 
am bound to hold as divine. But for unbelievers, a proof of its divinity might be found in the fact that no merely human institution conducted with such knavish imbecility would have lasted a fortnight. End quote. I actually do find that consoling, because as I look over the history of the church, it really is a, an amazing combination of zigging and zagging and mountains and valleys and incoming tide and outgoing tide and all manner of problems. And yet, there's this remarkable endurance, consistency of teaching, and the papacy, which is the longest standing juridical institution, unbroken institution, in the history of the world. We are built on the rock, as Jesus said. Let's keep praying for our bishops. <laughs> 